Would you put your hands together and praise the Lord today as we sing these songs to Him? He's worthy of our praise, be it a shout to Him or a, a bow into the head or words we speak, hands clapping, instruments play, playing. He's worthy of our worship. It is good to be with you today. I want to invite you to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. And um, I hope uh, before you leave today, if you're um, a new attender here, it could be your first time or maybe you've been here back in the fall or been away for a while, I'd love to know you. And it's hard to do that with just you seated there and me standing here. So after the service, I'll move out into the commons area out there near the next steps table and love for you to stop by and say hello and uh, introduce yourself and give us a chance to uh, know each other's name and and uh, so I hope you do that before you get away today there comes a time in uh, every important relationship where we recognize the importance of communication Uh, This may be because we experience the fruit of effective communication. And we have some taste of that and we say, wow, that went well. I want to try to do that better. It it may be because we experience the failure of ineffective communication. Some of you in this room, maybe for a long time, have been trying to figure out how to communicate to your roommates how to share food in your apartment or your refrigerator or maybe in a marriage you have um, uh, had some experiences of ineffective communication. I would say between fruitful communication and ineffective communication, I fall in the category of the second one uh, too often. Uh, I Folks on staff here, when we have new staff that are added, people who've been here for a while often pull people to the side and coach them a little bit on how to understand my communication. Uh, For some reason, I don't know all the reasons, I have picked up this nickname of Brother Mull. And uh, I don't know that that's very flattering, but um, I'm I'm told that new staff members say they, they told me to not expect an answer when I first ask. They told me to watch for subtle head movements when I ask uh, questions. Uh, But I I do know that communication is important in relationships. If this friendship or marriage or you're on a team of some sort or in a work cohort or, or a classroom between students and teacher or teacher and students or with your clients, um, important relationships require good communication. But no relationship is more important than our relationship with the one who created us and the one who gave us life physically and offers us life eternally. And this of most important relationship requires communication, calls for communication, and there's the opportunity for good, effective communication. 
But this communication between us and our Creator is not easy, is it? it this, there, are, there are barriers. There seems to be barriers in communicating with our Creator. One large barrier is that we cannot see the one we are communicating with when we talk to them. There's probably been some moment where uh, you have found yourselves talking out loud in prayer and you realize this is sort of different. I'm speaking out loud to someone I cannot see. Uh, we're physical body people. Um, our language is normally used in ways that the senses, physical senses of seeing and feeling and hearing and smelling and tasting play an enormous role in communication. We take those physical senses and we, we often uh, apply them to a relationship with our creator and, and we uh, will talk about seeing the hand of God or hearing the voice of God but we still are operating with physical things and there's a barrier there. Why? Because God is spirit. God is spirit. Jesus has ascended to heaven and the spirit is invisible. Yet here we are still needing to be heard and wanting um, to hear from heaven. We have a word for this kind of physical, spiritual language and communication. The word that we use to describe communicating with our Creator is the word what? Prayer. Prayer. It's, very, it's a very isolated, singularly used word. If I said to you today that Carla and I got together last week for some prayer you would immediately think that Carl and I had gotten together to talk to the Lord to take some things to the Lord to have communion with the Lord you would not automatically think that Carl and I got together to talk to each other so prayer is not just communication prayer is communicating with our creator it is us communicating with God the Father God the Son God the Holy Spirit it is this act of prayer, this communication with our Creator that I'm calling your attention to this morning. For the next 21 days, I want to invite you to join with me in the intentional and more than a normal intensified um, time of prayer learning about prayer, participating in prayer, communing with our Creator. Now, N.T. Wright says that prayer is a mystery. Warren Wiersbe says that prayer is a miracle. J.I. Packer says that prayer is the measure of us in God's sight. Please wrestle with that for just a few seconds in your mind and thoughts prayer 
is the measure of us in God's sight. What he's saying is that our communion with our creator matters to God. It, 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 it shows where we are with God. So prayer is a mystery, prayer as a miracle, prayer as a measure, whatever the case, uh, this will be our mode of operation for the next 21 days. Now, 21 days, I've, I've noticed, and I'm encouraged by this, that there are a large number of churches today beginning 21 days of prayer. How many of you know of maybe it's your home church, a neighboring church? How many of you have seen another church? Raise your hand. Show me. They're, they're doing 21 days of prayer. Anybody? A few of you? It's, you, you, you might say, well, what happens after 21 days? Well, we're going to keep praying. If you've been around here for a few years, you'll know you go back a few years. And we had several years where we had 40 days of prayer and fasting. And uh, today it's 21 days, we've gone liberal, and we just don't pray as much as we used to, all right? There's not, the, there's not magic in the numbers, uh, whether it's 21 or 36 or 40 or 365. What the hope is, is that over these 21 days that new rhythms will be developed, new habits will form, there will be the discovery of delights we've never known because of our devotion to God in communicating with him. So it doesn't stop at 21 days. We hope that in some way this 21 days would do something that would uh, affect our lives. I asked one of our college students uh, this week to talk to me about prayer, and I, I did that because... He was a student that came to me this week or a couple of weeks ago and said, hey, are we doing 21 days of prayer again this year? And I loved it that it came from this college student and, and he said, last year, 21 days of prayer changed my life. He said, I was there every morning in the chapel when we were praying together and I can't wait. I hope we're doing it again. I said, yes, we're going to be there again. So I asked him, I said, tell me, uh, what, what, did, what happened in your life? And he, he sent me this text. He said, I love the morning prayer times because not only did it get me in the rhythm of starting my days in prayer, but more than that, it was awesome to see so many different people come together so early every morning to pray. It wasn't something that people just stumbled into. Everyone was there because they really wanted to meet with their Heavenly Father. So how are we going to pray over these 21 days? What are we going to do to focus in this time uh, the, the, the first thing is tonight at 6. Tonight at 6, I want to ask you to come back. I've asked the 9 o'clock service, come back tonight. I'm asking you, come back tonight. So how will we all get in here? God will figure it out. A lot of room to sit other than in the chairs. We may sit out in the lobby. It was whatever, whatever it takes. Just come back tonight at 6. And together we're going to... Kick this time off in prayer. We're going to sing together. We're going to hear from Vance Pittman. He's going to preach. And we're going to pray together. And the Lord can take it longer. But what we've got planned is about an hour together tonight. It's so important. We're providing uh, child care for you to be able to come. There will be child care for six weeks through third grade. Every other age in this room. 
and, and we, we start off saying to the Lord, Lord, speak to our hearts, change our lives, set new rhythms, help us discover new delights, create habits that will help us communicate with you. Over these next few weeks, we'll be in Matthew 6 talking about where Jesus teaches on prayer and seeing what we can learn from Jesus as he taught on prayer. And then beginning tomorrow morning, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, over these next few weeks, for 21 days, 6.15 in the chapel. Meet together there for morning prayer. We'll finish by 6.45. Become 6.15. And uh, we will pray. It, it won't be a take prayer request time. It, it, we really, it will be us praying together. And we'll do that at 6.15 each morning between now and the last Sunday of January. Let's look together, and I want to take a few minutes to teach you what the Word has taught me this week in the verses where Jesus is teaching on prayer. Look in Matthew 6, beginning in verse 5. It's Jesus speaking. He says, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward, but when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard. For their many words do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. That's pretty awesome, isn't it? Verse 9, pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So let me just walk through these verses and talk about prayer a little bit and our communication with our Heavenly Father. I can tell you that my own life, that the longer I live, the more I want to know how to talk to God. I don't know. I guess your younger years, there's so many interesting things, so many things to take in, so many things to, to do, and so many uh, things you're still tr exploring and discovering. And uh, we can even hear about prayer, memorize prayers, and think we're, we just don't make time for it for some reason until crisis hits. There's this longing in my heart to just, in the, my walk with the Lord, to say, Lord, if nothing else, I want to I know how to talk to you. I want to know how to hear from you. I want to know how to have communion with you. I think it would be so awesome when we see Jesus face to face if he was uh, used to talking to me and I was used to talking to him. And it wouldn't be an acquaintance with a, um, somebody I hadn't talked to in a while, but it'd be, a, it'd be picking up a relationship where you felt like, as I was saying, or say that again. 
We think about prayer, the mystery of prayer, the miracle of prayer. I want to call your attention, first of all, to our attitude in prayer. Our attitude in prayer is shaped a lot by our view of God, how we value God, what we think of God, how we speak to God, how... uh, and, and, and is, isn't that true in, in earthly relationships? That's pictured for us. When we talk to people, we, we understand and notice and see uh, how people respect one another, value one another, how well they know one another based on how they talk to one another. Uh, a couple of nights ago, I had, I had uh, texted uh, my youngest son who's away in college and and uh, asked him a few questions the next morning I had gotten a response from him during the night and I looked to see what he had said and I read that and I went to Carla later and I said were you texting with Wilson this week and he she or last night and I think a little bit. So I was curious because his text back to me said, yes, ma'am, I'll be home, whatever. And I'm like, I don't know what he's calling me. Yes, ma'am. What is, what is that? And I, what, what, it's like, do you know me? This is, you know, you want to send back and say, this is your daddy speaking. What, what is your attitude when you go to the Father in prayer? What does it need to be? Jesus speaks to that. He says in verse 5, first of all, that our attitude should be one of humbleness. He, he, he describes it here. He doesn't use that word, but he describes that scene. He says, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. And he shows us that our attitude in, in prayer is to have this sense of, 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 of humility where it's not calling attention to ourselves it's not uh, words spoken to create some kind of evaluation event between us and those who hear us pray and he said there is among you when he taught this those who when they pray they pray to be seen by others instead of heard by God the, the picture here that he gives, instead of praying to be seen, he, he says in verse 6, but when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. He, he speaks to us of almost like this, this attitude of hiddenness in prayer. There's humility, there's a, there's a hiddenness. And we, what he describes here is uh, going into rooms, shutting the door. It's maybe what we have understood over the years to be uh, having, you might call a prayer closet, some isolated room where nobody knows you're there, nobody can see that you're there, nobody can hear that you're there except for God. What's he teaching us here? If you read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you see that Jesus prayed in places where he was heard. Jesus prayed in places that were not in isolated rooms. He, we have prayers recorded that people heard from him. We have him praying in gardens. We see that he withdrew to lonely places to pray. We see him praying over food. We, so what would he be doing here? 
He's not setting law in prayer. He's setting the spirit and the attitude of prayer. That our prayers are not for, to raise our uh, opinion of others. But it's an attitude of humbleness and hiddenness. And there's a third word and it's an attitude of realness. Verse 7, he says, And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. He's saying, don't, you, you, you just, you're not going to, what do you say? You're not going to pull the wool over God's eyes. You're, you're not going to, you can't blow empty air. See, God already knows what you need before you ask him. What God wants from you, from your heart, real words from a real heart. Do you know this? When we pray, God can handle whatever you say. He'd just like to hear from you. He wants you to be honest with him. He wants you to be real with him. If you need, if, if in your heart you're wanting to say why to God or you're questioning God or you're doubting God, guess who can handle that? God can. That's why we love the Psalms so much. Because when you read through those 150 Psalms, we come away saying, we love the Psalms because the Psalm writers are just so honest with God. And I read words there that put into my heart the emotions and maybe even find yourselves when you read through Psalms saying, I didn't know you could pray like that. That's kind of scary. I didn't know you could call down judgment. Listen, you can talk to God. Stay with me. You can pray to God and talk to God even with wrong theology. Why? Because God is big enough and wise enough to correct your theology. And he may say to you, no, no, that's not how I operate. He may say to you, oh, you think that's the way I am? Well, let me act that way. Listen, God can handle your conversation. And what he's driving at for us in our attitude and prayer is a, is a humbleness, a hiddenness, a, a realness. So we check our attitude and prayer. Third, our audience. He, he says in verse 6, but, but when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your what? Pray to who? Pray to your Father. In verse 9, he says, pray then like this, our Father. If you study communication, you know the number one rule of effective communication is to what? Know your audience. And in prayer, when we're, when we're going before the Lord, going before the Creator, we need to know our audience. And he's teaching us here that our audience are not the hearers. May we be encouraged by somebody else that prays? Certainly. But the audience of our prayers are not those that are listening in. The audience of our prayers are, is, is, is God himself. It's our Father. 
three, what is our, our approach in prayer? Verse nine, he says, pray then like this. Pray then like this. Now, you get into these verses, and, and probably whether you knew the reference or not, a lot of us have this prayer memorized. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. We have a pace of saying it. We have a cadence of saying it. When I read it, it's even hard for me not to read it with a certain cadence that I've memorized it and quoted it so many times over. Some of you can't read those words in prayer without breaking out in a version of the Lord's Prayer in song. We've sung that prayer, we've prayed that prayer. Many of you, many a locker rooms, you've prayed that prayer, taken a knee on a field, prayed that prayer. People of, of all different walks of life in all different languages have spoken that prayer. But this prayer that we have here is not some magical chant. That if we speak it, it changes our environment. It is, it's not the Christian version of hocus pocus. What we have here is Jesus saying to us, pray like this. He, he gives us an approach to prayer. How to, how to handle prayer. How to talk to God. How to talk to the Father. Jesus was a man of prayer. We know this is not some kind of legalistic chant that we always have to pray because why because when you look at Jesus's life and his disciples life and you read through the gospels you see him praying in different ways recorded different words but here's one thing you will notice as you work through the prayers that are recorded in the new testament there is no new principle that is not already contained in the lord's prayer and and in this uh, praying like this he's saying to us these are the Things that you talk to God about. This is the purpose of prayer. This is the plan of prayer. This is the person of prayer. And he, he gives us what I'm calling our approach to prayer. What this verse does for us, and in many ways, it, it, it works like a, a primer for prayer, for our spiritual hearts. And I want to offer that to you this morning and, and these next 21 days and for the days of your life to, to look at these verses as a as a starting point and when you read our father in heaven it may be that in your own prayer time it becomes you saying over and over again in your prayers father in heaven but you expand from there father in heaven today I want to praise you because of who you are and this name of you being father represents and teaches me that you are and father in heaven that shows me that you are and, and he says hallowed be your name father you're worthy of praise you're worthy of being exalted and it's about your name and not my name and the things I'm bringing to you today Lord I want it to I pray you would answer these things so that your name would be great more than my name. And so if this would cause my name to be great, don't answer this prayer. You see, like these phrases, these verses become principles and guides of how to approach God in prayer. Farm life for us, there would be occasion where a pump for watering things would, would stop pumping water and it some way the water would get so low that it would just start cycling air instead of pumping water and you take a giant bucket of water and pour into that pump and when you poured that giant bucket of water into that pump it created 
uh, this suction event, it, it, was a, this, it, it became what we called priming the pump. And all systems would start working again. And in ways here, what Jesus has given us when he says pray then like this is, is morning by morning, day by day, this way to prime our spiritual pump for us to realize, where do I start? I start with our Father in heaven. And when we're dry and low, we're wondering where to start in prayer. You may be there this morning. Here's a primer. All you might could do today would be just these words, but the next day you might expand the phrase a little bit, and then the next day expand a phrase a little bit, and you find it being much more difficult to keep your time within five or ten minutes than it is to fill it up in those first days. Our attitude, our audience, our approach. I want to say a word here about our adoption. And that seems maybe like a strange word to drop in here on prayer. Where does that come from? It's in the first part of the prayer when he says, Our Father in heaven. And when he says pray like this, for you and I here today, that calls our attention immediately to this spiritual picture in the New Testament of adoption. Don't, don't, hey, listen, if you've drifted away, come back here for just a moment. When we look at what we call the Lord's Prayer, not all can pray this prayer. Now, everyone can say this prayer, but not everyone can pray this prayer. And why is that? Because when we're praying, the words of this prayer and addressing God in this way, we're communing with our heavenly Father. And you and I do not have a heavenly Father because we have been born. We have a heavenly Father because we have been born again. And as we approach the Lord, as we approach our God, we're able to address him as father when we have been adopted into his family as sons and daughters. When you read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you see Jesus again and again addressing God as his what? His father. Why is that? Because he's the only begotten son. For God so loved the world that he gave his what? Only begotten son. That whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. His only begotten son. Well then, how do you and I get to a place where we can address him as father if Jesus is his only son? John chapter 1 verse 12. John chapter 1, verse 12 says, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. You see, when you and I begin to pray, what will revolutionize your prayer life, change your 
prayer life, bring life to your prayer life, is for there to be eternal life in your soul. For you to recognize that you, by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, have been adopted as a son or daughter of your creator. That's why you can read in God's word and be identified as a joint heir with Christ. Why? Because you have become a son. You've become a daughter. You have been adopted into his family. And therefore, you and I can address him as father. Now, God does act fatherly with people that are not his children. But for you to know him as father and address him as father, it is because we've been born again. Ephesians 1.5 says, He predestined us for the adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ. C.S. Lewis writes in, uh, to his imaginary friend Malcolm. He speaks about his conversion. He speaks about his faith in God and and he said by this is what C.S. Lewis said by God's grace speaking of his conversion he said by God's grace I was enabled to seek him as my father I want to exhort you if I if, if there was one takeaway from this morning and you just you missed everything else will change your prayer life would be to find yourself in the days ahead addressing God again and again and again and again as Father. Father. You say, I don't have good memories, Pastor, of this concept of Father. Can I just remind you that Father is a revelation of God of who he is. Our earthly fathers are not the divine revelation of who he is. And so you and I can seek to model our lives like the heavenly father, but we learn who the heavenly father is ultimately based on his relationship toward us. Address him as father. Before we move on, let me ask you this question. Do you know him as father? Do you know him as father? We answer yes to that question when we can say that we have believed by faith that Jesus died for us on the cross to pay for our sins. When we believe by grace through faith without our works that we're saved, we're covered by the blood of Jesus. You have a father who's waiting for you to talk to him. What about just in your mind or your whisper right now? You might just practice that. Maybe just express some gratitude. Say it. Father, thank you. You can fill in the blank. It may seem a little awkward, may seem a little intimate. You're his child. He says, pray like this. Our Father, 
last thing, our assessment of prayer. And by that I mean what is valuable? What is valuable in prayer? The prayer that is valuable is the prayer that recognizes God's place in our purpose. The prayer that is valuable is the prayer that recognizes God's place in our purpose. He says, our Father in heaven. It shows that God is, by this statement, we're acknowledging that God is on a different plane than us. God is transcendent. When we're calling out to our heavenly Father, it is earth meeting heaven. It is heaven meeting earth. And then he speaks of our purpose, our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Think about it. If Jesus, the Son of God, is teaching us to talk to his Father, it must be that he knows exactly what the Father wants to hear from us. And what he wants to hear from us are prayers that pray that wherever God works and whatever God does, that it's going to lead to his name being hallowed, acknowledged, put first, lifted up, exalted. He wants us to see that our, the ultimate goal in our life is for his name, God's name, to be great. And we must guard ourselves to look at our prayers and we may say, God won't answer our prayers, but with a little thought we might realize that the prayers that we're asking for are prayers that are going to exalt us or bring some kind of glory to us. But his goal for prayer is for us to live a life that hallows his name. J.I. Packer says, when we understand this and you have unlocked the secret, when, when you understand this, that our lives are to bring him glory, you have unlocked the secret to both prayer and life. Has there been some kind of hindrance in your prayer life? Maybe it's because we're missing the purpose of prayer. Now I want to make a closing application and we'll wrap up. Number one, our greatest problem is not unanswered prayer but unoffered prayer. Our greatest problem is not unanswered prayer but unoffered prayer. I read that statement this morning it was written in a book by Adrian Rogers, and I was convicted by that statement. And I said, Lord, I will say that today. And I was convicted, and I asked this question. I wrote it out on this page. And I want to ask you to ask this question, and it's this. What if God did give us exactly what we have asked for today? You came to the 11 o'clock service. You're going to walk out in a little bit, alone or together or over lunch, something you're going to talk, think about, did I get anything out of today? What happened today? What was that? Something's going to go on in your mind. Let me, what if God did give us exactly what we have asked for, for this 11 o'clock hour? What would happen? What would that be God doing? And when I put that question on the page, I was convicted by that because I was like, well, whatever I asked for. What have I prayed for this hour? And I wrote down these four things. And I, I'm praying this. I've been praying this. Our deacons, we prayed together for this this morning. And, and here are these four things. Number one, that people would know God as Father in a fresh way or for the first time. Secondly, 
that our earthly hearts would connect in a transforming way with our heavenly Father. Number three, that our Father's name and fame would get all the praise. And number four, this is, God, what I'm asking, that our appetite for prayer would increase immeasurably over these next 21 days. God grant it. What would be a win after these 21 days? In my heart and soul, it would be that our appetite for prayer would increase immeasurably. The conclusion of this message will be tonight. I've seen the outline of the message that Vance will preach. And when I saw that message, I was like, that's the conclusion to all that I've just said. And so tonight we'll wrap this up. Let me pray with you, and I've got one more thing I want to share. Father, you hear these four things, and I'm praying somebody in this room today would find you as Father, maybe for the first time or in a fresh way. You'd transform us today. Lord, I pray you'd give us an appetite for you that increases more and more and more. Lord, I pray today you'd get the glory that your name would be hallowed. In Jesus' name.